Hello, Mark Ja. Thanks for tuning into this podcast. Mark stands for Meet with God, Reach Out to Others, Know His Purpose for Your Life, and to Develop Your Potential. I want to encourage you before we even get started to ask God to soften your heart, open your mind to receive what He has for you. You're loved by a great God. All right, I'm going to take you to Hebrews 10, verses 22 to 25. Now, um, this is, I'm going to read you first um, while you're getting there. Just put your finger there and hold it there, okay? Uh, I'm going to read you from the, a little bit earlier on, and um, I think it'll set up the context. Don't worry, I'm not going to read forever. But we were just singing about standing in grace. And um, this paints the picture probably better than anything I, I, I could ever say. And it's out of verse 19 is where I'm going to start. And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. Can you turn that down a little bit, please? Thanks. By his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house... Let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting Him. For God, for our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean, and our bodies have been washed with pure water. Somebody say amen. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Amen. He's the best promise keeper. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that we, uh, now that the day of his return is drawing near. Man, that's good stuff. I love this. Going back to the first verse I read here. Um, we can... Boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. And then what he did was, you know, when he when he when he died, and then the, the veil in the temple was ripped in two. It was like this thick. I don't know if you guys know that. It was like crazy thick. And basically, there was this concept that we had to have a priest to go in to represent us. And it was only certain times, and then when the guy went in there, he had to have a rope tied around his foot because if he wasn't right with God, he was going down and he was going to be dead, and they didn't want to go in after him because nobody else wanted to die, so they'd just drag him out with the rope. So when that, when that curtain was torn, when the veil was torn, it provided access because of Jesus' blood for you once and for all to have relationship on your own with Jesus. I don't know if you understand the significance of that, but it's, it'd be like, Anthony, I got something to say to God. Will you please just go talk to him for me? You know, I don't have to do that. I don't have to go through a priest. It was like, I'm done with that. I want you to have relationship and fellowship with me. That's what he desired. Intimacy, friendship, relationship. God, your heavenly father wants to speak to you. He wants to talk to you. I can tell you just... In the last couple of weeks, some things that God has just been speaking to me. And sometimes it's, he, he always comes gentle and he usually comes in a whisper if you're listening. And if, if you have the courage to listen and, and hear, those are the moments where you 
you, you, you don't just take like little baby steps forward, you get to like jump. And it's so fun to learn. When I was young, um, I'm having fun watching my kids because they're all enjoying learning. I didn't enjoy learning. Can anybody relate to that? Like I did not. I went to class and I, I was afraid of failing, so I would do whatever I had to do to not like get a D and get enough A's and B's that my, you know, took enough easy classes to keep my GPA up there is basically what I did. But even after college, now I love learning. I remember being in D.C., and I'm just standing there, Washington, D.C. We just went recently. We went to all these museums. And I'm just like, they're like, Aaron, come on. And I'm like, wait, I'm reading about this painting. It's awesome. And I just hours and hours of just studying and reading and history. And it's like I'm just soaking it up. It matters to me now. It should have mattered to me then, but it didn't. Anybody relate to this? The older you get, the more. Does anybody care? Who loves to learn in here? Anybody? Praise God. You guys are so much smarter than I am. Um, I wish I had had that thirst and hunger for knowledge at an earlier age, but I've got it now, and I'm enjoying it now. So I, what I want to talk to you about is digging a well of blessing that will last. And I think that this portion of Scripture, especially 22 through 25, but it, once you understand the beginning, which talks about the only reason we have access is because of Jesus and what he did and his blood that was spilled for you and for me. And once you understand that, you can come into God's presence boldly. You ever feel like you're kind of sneaking in the back door? It's like, okay, God, please don't notice my crud in life right now. And you just kind of, and it's just so the opposite of the way he thinks and what he desires. That's not the way he is. Who did he go down and sit down at the well with? The woman that had had like five husbands, right? Everybody else is just like, you know, ready to stone her. And who does he, he's just fellowship, right? People who were sick, people who were dying. You know, and then who are the people? I learned this recently about how he chose his disciples. About five of them came from this one village. And you have to understand, this whole village was built on this concept of discipleship. So it was already ingrained in them how to think. Okay? Because they had like this guy that they would follow and there was a model for how you would be discipled to, to move in, in um you know, in, tr in the trades and different things like that, but you would go and you would fully follow a person, right? And they would become your mentor and 24-7 you did everything with them. And if you didn't get into that, then there was lower levels of it, but you would work your way up. And the whole goal was if you were sharp enough, then you got to be in with this guy who you would basically, you, I mean, you, it was family. You lived together, you, everything. So the whole concept of discipleship, they grew up in that concept. Here's these fishermen who were passed over by the discipleship program, all of them. And they end up becoming the guys that are like, so when Jesus comes, I don't know if you ever thought about this, like I never thought about it, but Jesus comes along and says, come follow me. Do you ever think about it? how did they just like, okay, maybe they understood, but they just left everything. It was already in them, the concept of to follow and to be connected and wouldn't it be smart for Jesus to go to a village where he knew that heart was already in them, right? To honor and to, to live that way with other people. There's supposed to be a devotion in us. There's supposed to be an intimacy in us. But a lot of times we get this combination of like the world, the way the world looks at things and looks at religion and all that. But you have to understand what God is truly after. You know, you look at these crazy disciples, fisher, stinky fishermen. What he's looking for be, is for people who will be passionate. He's not looking for people who are going to be perfect. 
Look at all the people he chose and look at all the people he used in powerful ways all the way through the word. Most of them were extremely flawed. Everybody agree? There's only a few of them that they were like, man, this guy, like, amazing. Daniel, Enoch, you know, there's a few of them that, you know, there's not much written about him that's negative. But if you want to read a little bit about David, you want to read a little bit about Moses, and you want to read a little bit about some of these people that are Abraham, okay? You ever tried to give your wife away? <laughs> Isaac, same thing. <laughs> Murder, adultery, all kinds of, I mean, it's like, you know, the it's crazy soap opera stuff. And yet he goes, I'll take you because you're passionate. And I think when that gets focused in the right direction, it's going to be really awesome. And I, I'm so grateful that God saw that in me, that he saw something that could be worked with. And I think he saw somebody that was so out of control, in love with himself and full of pride and all that. But he knew that if it got locked, that something good could happen and there were some lives that could be affected. And I believe the exact same thing about every one of you. God's put a fire inside each one of you. No, it, sometimes it burns for the wrong thing, doesn't it? Maybe it's just me, okay? But if you allow God to reveal himself completely and understand the way he works, man, I'm telling you, it's the most fun life you can live. Living on fire for Jesus. These guys, they were freaked out after Jesus died. But if you look at their journey, the greatest testimony that came out of their lives was not what happened before Jesus I mean, up until his death. It's what happened after his death. The transformation process that happened in Peter. You know? And then all of them laying their lives down and being martyred for Jesus. For the sake of the cross. For the sake of the gospel. And going to the corners of the earth. I mean, it's just unbelievable, the influence. I love thinking about that. Like, Jesus, okay, you're like the perfect leader. And who did you choose to use? Humble people that were full of passion that were teachable. I like that. I want that to be said about me. I'm not sure if it's always going to be true, but I want to work on that. Anybody else? So here we say in 22, it says, let us draw near to God. I'm going to read the NIV. I know I gave you the NLT here, but let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. So the first part of this is, Draw near with the right motives and in confidence. James 4.8 says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. I love this line. The greatest privilege you will ever have is friendship with God. The greatest privilege that we're ever going to have in life. I mean, it's beyond comprehension to even think about the access that we have. You guys ever do that? Do you ever just stop and think about some of this stuff on a deeper level to where it's like, you know, you're just reading a verse, but you're like, wow, the God of the universe wants friendship with me, okay? And there's a full assurance. Draw near with the right motives. It says with a sincere heart and with full assurance, in confidence. I think about this, like I could have had deep connection. I watched my son, I watched my kids and my my friends as kids, and I watch the relationships that they have with God in their teens and even before. And I'm in a holy way, I'm jealous. Like, man, I wish I could have started like that. Like I had a great, I had a great, great parents that taught me, but there was just rebellion in me. There was just pride in me, and it just was really, it didn't want to die. I wanted my way. I had a choice, and it took me until my mid-20s. So 
The greatest thing we can do is once we hear truth, once we get it, is just start moving with God in a, in, a, in a steady way straight towards Him for the rest of our life. There is no limit. If you look at it in the field of finance, they say one, if you start at a young age, just start investing like 100 bucks a month, that literally, if you take that, the discipline of that, by the time you hit your 60s, it's just millions because of the compound interest. It's called the rule of seven. You Learning how to think like God does in, the, in, in multiplication. Faithfulness, day after day after day after day. And we're going to get to this. Day after day, moving towards the Lord. Being faithful in His house. Being faithful, you know, to come after Him right here. Trusting that you haven't learned any, everything. You ever have these moments where you kind of have this great day and you're like, man, I am, this is it. I'm ready. Take me home, Jesus. I think you've arrived or something. like. I'm, I know I'm exaggerating, but you know what I'm talking about. And it's like God, <laughs> he usually does for me, is he usually allows some little situation to come up like I had today to, to just humble you and just take you back to your knees and be like, okay, I'm in kindergarten. Just teach me right here. I'll just take, I, I'm just grateful to be in class. Okay, don't kick me out today. And then I remember, oh, he said, even in my foolishness, come into my presence boldly. I like that, don't you? That means we don't, we don't have to creep in. We get to boldly come in. Not, not in pride, in humility, but boldly. My God loves me. He thinks I'm awesome. <laughs> Sometimes I'm like, I can't believe you put up with me. <laughs> Thank you for loving me. Second, come washed in blood and water into his presence. That's what it says. Um, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty con conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. So sprinkled with blood, washed with water. Two very, very significant things. Blood is a picture of grace. We were singing that song about I'm standing in grace. and That's why I gave you this picture. It's like, for me, it's just this picture. I feel like there's been seasons where it's like God has been leaving footprints and in my imagination, you guys, you have to go with me. This is Aaron's version, okay? This is not NIV or anything close to it. But it's just like little, little tracks of blood footprints. <laughs> follow my grace. Follow my love, you know? Because it's about all that I can pay attention to at times. Anybody like me a little bit, ADD, and you just get all excited and you get going in different directions and all that kind of stuff. And God goes, come on, come back to the simple. Come back to the simple. Just follow my feet, you know? And I like thinking about things that way because I just think that's the way he thinks. If you look at his word. So it says, wash in, when we come into his presence, when we come in, God, thank you for your grace over me. Plead that blood over yourself and over other people around you. And then washed in the word. I tell you what, there would be no limit to what the body of Christ could do if we came in into God's house, already having been in his presence and already washed in the word because we were up and we were in it all week long, not cramming on Sunday morning, right? Not that that's bad, okay? But coming in aware already because you've already been worshiping all week, it would be a whole different thing. People wouldn't be distracted by their phones, would they? Because it would just, you'd just melt into God's presence. I think that when we come together, and we're going to talk about this in a minute, as a, as a family, as a group, it was supposed to be a little bit different thing. It was supposed to be like Disneyland, right? I mean, it was supposed to be like Christmas as opposed to 
trudging and dragging people into God's presence and trying to get them to worship. If we're living like Christians, I'm not, I'm not lobbying some, uh, you need to worship 6.5 hours a day or anything like that. Or I'm, I'm not trying to say that you, 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 you need to you know, have some strict routine. I'm just talking about enjoying Jesus all week long. Is everybody with me on that? I'm talking about like getting a couple of verses up inside you and just chewing on them. And just letting God, um, letting God speak to you on a daily basis. Water, getting the, the blood and getting the water pouring over. His love book towards you and towards me. Revelations 12.11 says what? Anybody? We overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Two key things, blood and water. Everybody getting it? There's something significant about Jesus, what you did for me and what you left for me. Some instructions, some some. Some love right here. That if I have the courage to get in here and let it wash me, man, I, I'm just drawn closer to you. I can't even help myself. I want to be there. I'm tired as all get out. I can't. I have no idea what I'm going to do in this season of life. Where do I want to be? I want to be in his house. Because what happens if somebody walks in that God, you've called me to be there, available to him to minister to him today? And then Jesus on the cross, Galatians 2.20, what flowed out of him when he was pierced? It was the sign that he was dead. Blood and water. Same picture. The picture that we are dead in ourselves, right? The picture that we, that it's no more of Aaron, and it's all Jesus. The picture that, that Galatians 2.20 says, for I am crucified with Christ, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives within me. The picture that Aaron's dead and that Jesus is able to live his life through me is when, when I'm poked, when I'm pierced, if blood and water is pouring out. Meaning grace for other people and the word. What's coming out of you? What's the testimony coming out of you when you're poked? Is it the word? Man, his grace is sufficient for me for his power is made perfect in weakness. 2 Corinthians 12, 8 and 9. I know that verse because I've had to know that verse. Because I've had seasons where I've had people in my life that pushed me to a point to where I had to learn something that was going to help me, that was going to teach me how to love them through that. Have you ever had somebody that pushed you to a new, and you knew God, the Holy Spirit was holding you down like your mouth was shut, you were not allowed to speak, but you were ticked. <laughs> and you just wanted to straighten something, straighten something out, you wanted to tell somebody what you thought. And it's in those moments God comes and floods you with his love and he says, I just, I'm going to give you grace for them. I'm going to give you love for them. You know, I have somebody in my life right now who I feel like is making a big mistake in an issue. And I'm walking a very, very careful line right now on what I say and what I don't. Somebody that I love, somebody that knows Jesus, loves Jesus, all that kind of stuff. And my job right now is to pray. My job right now is to be Quiet before the Lord. And if he gives me something to say, say it. Otherwise, pray. They're a person that can hear from God. Now, does that mean Christians can say, oh yeah, Jesus said I should go do this. Does that always mean it's true? If somebody's doing something that goes against the word, whatever, okay, God's never going to contradict himself. And that's not necessarily the situation. It's a tricky situation. There are moments to be bold, aren't there? And to love people enough to tell them the truth. But you've got to be careful how you do that. 
Have you ever just wanted to go correct somebody and you didn't even realize why you wanted to go correct somebody? Part of being a leader, I'm a leader, is that sometimes that just stirs up inside you and you really have to take it before the Lord and go, Aaron, have you let this search you first? Because sometimes you want to correct things in other people that really God's just wanting to deal with in you. And just be still and just be quiet. Make sure that you're not being a hypocrite. And then you ask the Holy Spirit, do I have permission? Am I speaking this out of love? You know? Am I drawing near to God and is that coming out of this? And because I've been in His presence, He's giving me permission to do that. And I know I can speak this in love. If you can't say it in love, don't say it. It's a good, good thing for life, good thing for almost any situation. Wait till the love of God has filled you so you can say it. Is this washed in the blood? Is, 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 is water flowed, has water flowed in, in and over me so that when this comes out, it comes out clean? Because all it needs, all a person needs when they're going through something difficult is even if you give them a correct principle, a biblical principle, something that's even accurate, but if you give it with a little bit of attitude, they'll reject the whole thing. Because you didn't have, you didn't take the time to get, get in God's presence and just let him stir you to make sure it was coming out. And then hold on to hope. Don't swerve. I love this. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. Hold on to hope. One of the greatest character attributes that's missing in most Christians is perseverance. In most people in general. I can tell you, I want to be around people the rest of my life that have some endurance factor. That don't give up every time things get tough. It's a problem in marriage. It's a problem in jobs. You know, at work, it's a problem with family. It's a problem in a lot of areas. We have to learn how to push through when things get tough and to be able to hold ground and be able to say, I'm going to hold on to hope because I'm holding on to Jesus. All of my, my life is not wrapped up in whether this situation goes well and whether my boss treats me the way he should in this situation. My life is not wrapped up and my hope is not wrapped up in whether this friend, whether this girl, whether this guy... This relationship, I'm not going to get all wrapped up in that. I'm not going to ride the emotional roller coaster of life. They say the people that go the furthest are the ones that learn how to just kind of be steady. Right? Don't get too high, don't get too low. They're usually the most dominant athletes. Because they don't celebrate. Anytime you see that guy in the end zone who just goes nuts, look out. He's probably going to get blown up on the next play. Because it's when, you know, people that, that don't know how to act like they've been there before. So on our high, high moments, it's okay to celebrate, but you got to be careful how you do that. Is everybody with me? I, I want to be around people in my life and build around people in my life that have some perseverance. That means you've gone through some tough stuff. And you know what that also means? Is that I know if you're going through that right now, if I'm going through something later, I know you're going to stand with me. How many would say just by a show of hands, that you've gone through difficult things before and it revealed who were your friends. Yeah. There's moments that you go, huh. You know? And people that mean well, right? But it reveals who's going to drop everything and you're like, whoa, that person just showed up on my doorstep here. and I want to be known as that person that will do that. But more importantly, I want to know who my hope is. 
You guys with me? I'm not going to get rocked when somebody else doesn't show as long as Jesus shows. Are you guys with me on that? If I learn how to get into his presence, I'm like, something goes wrong, you don't get the job, test report comes back negative. In those moments, if you learn how to build an altar right then, you can get blessed where everybody else is just trying to figure out how to survive it. That's when things get built. That's when the big bricks get put on. And it's not easy. Let me just tell you that. Grabbing a hold of the cross in those moments isn't easy, but I'm telling you, it's worth it. You look at this in the life of Jacob. He says, remember, he, he'd, he'd been manipulated, then he manipulated his uncle, and then here he is wrestling all night with the angel. And he's holding on. He says, I'm not letting you go until you bless me. I'm not letting go. That's what God is looking for when we are willing to take him at his word. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to manipulate. I'm standing before you, God. And I trust you that my life will be a success because of what you have to say about me, not because of this situation. And then it says, spur and encourage one another on to love and to serve, to love and good deeds. Anybody can be critical. It doesn't take a lot of talent. Would you agree? To see negativity in every situation. I've been around some people, they could invent negativity. If they don't have enough on their own, they'll just go steal yours and invent, you know, I mean, it's just, it's amazing. Like, I don't even know how you saw that. Yeah, the check's probably going to bounce. I know they just gave me a million dollars, but it's probably no good. You know, I'm exaggerating, but you understand what I'm saying? You can just look at it that way. Otherwise, you can see, you know, uh, Scripture says right here, it says, encourage I believe that should be an attribute of Christians and disciples. Some people have the gift to do it, yes, the gift of encouragement, but I think there's nobody gets a pass on that. Everybody needs to learn how to encourage others. And if you're not very good at it, get better at it. Just take baby steps. By the time you're 65, you might be way past everybody else who just thought that they'd arrived because you just took steady steps. Does that make sense? Maturity is, I'm taking one more and one more. I'm going to learn to encourage other people. I, I want that to be said of me someday. That people knew that in tough moments they could come and they could get encouragement from me. Again, anyone can criticize and also anyone can encourage. Have the courage to search your own heart on that. It's not a personality thing. It's a God thing. Encouragement. The Holy Spirit is known as, the, as, as our encourager. So if the Holy Spirit is in you, all you got to do is say, Holy Spirit, would you teach me how to do this? And the last thing, don't fly solo. Stay consistent with the family. We need the body. We need his presence. We need authority. It's a picture of heaven. When you come into God's presence, when you, when you come together, you have to understand it's not the same when you're not here. Our culture, our world says separate, right? You can do it. You can do it on your own. You can do it. I'm going to tell you, everybody in here, I need you. I get encouraged when I get around you. We need each other. And the enemy would love to pick us off. And how, do you, how, how does the enemy pick us off? By getting us separated. So whether it's a Wednesday night, Sunday night, you know, activities, you know, getting together. It's important to build relationship and it's important to be known. It's important to have people around you. You know, going back to that 2 Timothy 2.22, flee evil, pursue God, and do it with people that love God. You gotta have your with.
And for some of you, that hasn't been easy. Some of you, like, you don't even have to try. Friends are easy. For the others, it's, it's, it's difficult. I can tell you there were seasons in my life where I knew a lot of people, but I didn't have a lot of friends. Can anybody relate to that? I mean, people that were there. And there's been other seasons where, you know, it's like, wow, God, I'm blessed in this area. I want to get a deeper conviction, grow in an even deeper way in terms of my love for God's house. David said this, he said, this one thing I ask, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life and seek him in his holy place and gaze upon his beauty. Father, as we close tonight, would you teach us how to do that? How to love your presence privately, Father. Teach us, Father, how to, how to break into your presence in the secret place on our own, Father. How to be people that aren't settled with the areas of strength that we have now, but to say, Father, where, where do you want to, how do I dig this well of blessing, Father? By drawing near. Drawing near to God with sincere motives. And we're not coming into your presence asking you for anything. We're coming in because we love you. We're coming in because we get to bless somebody else. We're coming in because we want to honor you. Teach us, Father. Thanks for tuning into this podcast. We'd like to invite you to one of our services at People's Church here in Salem, Oregon. We meet on Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. and Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. for small groups and 11.30 a.m. for our main service. If you'd like to contact us, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at MarkedYa, that's M-R-K-D-Y-A. Or you can find us at our church website, peopleschurch.com marked. Thanks for listening. You're loved by a great God.